Want to advertise big and build massive brand authority at the same time? It's easier than you think. Open Display by AdSymbol lets you advertise on digital billboards nationwide. Just go to OpenDisplay.com for a free account to get started. This is the Ad Hero Podcast. The podcast that reveals marketing tips, trends, and techniques by industry experts, insiders, and influencers. For years, AdSymbol has helped businesses develop and launch campaigns to amplify their message, establish authority, and earn their lion's share of the market. This podcast will help you design and supercharge your plan to make an impact with valuable lessons you can apply in your business today. To get more information or start now, visit AdSymbol.com. That's A-D-S-E-M-B-L-E.com. Let's get started. All right, greeting fellow heroes. I'm Arish Rivers here with another episode of the Ad Hero Podcast, rolling solo today, and I'm super stoked for our guest. Today, our guest is Jamie Dorshuk, and uh, she is just, I, 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 I got connected with her not too long ago. She's doing a lot of amazing things, and Jamie has a really strong background in direct marketing, copywriting, and she's also a marketing strategist. Uh, so without further ado, say, say hello, Jamie. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me, Arish. I'm so excited to talk to you today and bring some awesome value to the audience. I'm excited to have you. I've never really had the chance to speak with somebody who, you know, made, uh, I guess you say, forged their way with copywriting. I've seen it online. Um, But yeah, it seems like every other free Amazon um, KDP book is about making it with copywriting, right? (laughs) I know, but you know, it's it's like being an author, in my opinion. You know, anyone can pick up uh, a pen or a keyboard, in the sense, and and start writing, but it doesn't make you a good author. Definitely, it takes a lot of skill. Um, I've forged my own abilities over writing hundreds of thousands of words across my career, and it's kind of interesting that you say that because this is something that's come up uh, a couple months ago. I brought on my first employee. I mean, she's an independent contractor, but I've been literally rolling solo up until just a few months ago. So I've been training her um, to be my marketing assistant. And sometimes she gets a little frustrated and she's like, you know, do you really think I'm good at this? Because I just, I don't know. I feel like you keep giving me the same feedback and our copy reviews and stuff like that. And I have to tell her, you know, you got to slow down. Like I have been doing this for probably five years now, um, two years full-time and then three part-time. Before that, we could talk more later about how I got into doing this. Um, But yeah, over my career, I've written hundreds of thousands of words, probably just only across my Medium blog, not even considering uh, the client work that I've done. I read so many books every year. Like the last three years, I've been doing a Goodreads reading challenge and I've read more than 24 books on um, mostly nonfiction um, business, copywriting, psychology, da, 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 da. So it's just, it's just a process and it takes time and it's not something, uh, I mean, you know, you can't pick it up right away and be brilliant at it. It really has to be a, an artisanal skill that's forged with practice. Wow. That's amazing. And, uh, if anybody out there is able to teach, you know, how to read books faster, I would appreciate that. So Jamie, if you, uh, 
have any tips on that? Hey, shoot them over my way. <laughs> you know, really, it's surprising, but I, it's just making time. Like, you know, last year I read 42 books. I think that's uh, four books a month or whatever four times 12 is. I'm good at math, but not on the fly when I'm being recorded. <laughs> um, but it is, I just take, you know, 20 minutes or so to read like every day or I commit to doing it. Um, I've, what's been helpful for me is incorporating it into my wind down routine. So I try to stop watching TV. Well, I mean, some days I'm working like right up until midnight and then I'm like, oh great, I got to go to bed now, but I'm all like wound up from doing things and looking at the screen. But on a good day, I tried to stop watching YouTube or whatever, like no looking at screens around 10 or 11, you know, just being totally honest. And then I try to read for like either even 20 minutes. Like you'd be surprised if you read for 20 minutes, you could finish like a book a week um, if you're consistent about doing it. But sometimes I even read for like an hour and then I wind up reading books like I finished some in a day. And then my favorite resource has been this website for um, audiobooks. Like have you ever heard of Project Gutenberg before? That's the one for like public domain ebooks. Yeah, the name has definitely come across the desk, but I never dove into it. And if somebody showed me a screenshot, I would just go, what is this? There's this other thing that's called LibraVox. It's L-I-B-R-I-V-O-X. It's one word and you can just type that into Google. But it's basically like the Project Gutenberg, but for audiobooks. So they just have an exclusively, um, it's like open source, volunteer-based recordings of um, different books that are in the public domain. And I found so many great things on there. I have, um, like I mentioned, I mostly read nonfiction, but I've been able to incorporate some fiction by using this because I, like many of us, I'm sure have had some of the great pieces of literature on my list, like um, to read Frankenstein or Dracula or the Wizard of Oz. And it's just like, stuff that I've never actually gotten to do, but they have all of those things on the LibriVox website. So I finally like got to listen to some of that stuff. And then <laughs> they even have some, uh, some business books. They're a little bit old school, but if you want to get your classics in, like your uh, science of getting rich and science of being great by Wallace Waddles or whatever, like you can get that kind of stuff on there. So it's really awesome. I would recommend um, anyone to check that out if you want to read more, because it's just Oh, my favorite trick with it is to go like whatever you find a book you want to read and then you click on the page and then you scroll all the way down till it says RSS. And then if you copy that link and you paste it into your podcast like app search bar, it will just pull it up and you can like add it into your podcast app. And so that's how I've been doing it. Oh, wow. That's I'm definitely going to have to play with that. (laughs) It's so much fun. I'll shoot you over the link after our chat so that you can Uh, put it in the notes for everyone too. I highly recommend that. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. That's going to be huge, especially, you know, I am a slow reader. Um, I have a tendency to, I'm one of those read every word types. And Mm -hmm. I tend to try to do it in the middle of the day when I'm surrounded by other things. So I love that you, you know, suggest doing it at night as part of the wind down routine. Because really, when I'm supposed to be winding down, my brain turns on with everything that I could be doing the next day. And it's like, it's a weird way to kind of close out my day and prep for the next one. But then it messes up my sleep completely because then I turn on, you know, I'm switched on at that. Point. Yeah. Like on the one hand, it's good. 
Totally. Because on the one hand, it's helpful, but then on the other hand, it's like, well, you're getting yourself all all worked up again. And it's, I mean, it's the opposite of wind down. So I'm right there with you because that's what happens when I'm working late sometimes. And it's just like, man, how am I supposed to go to bed now when I'm thinking about everything I'm going to get to do tomorrow? <laughs> well, you know, as an independent consultant, um, and I guess anyone can argue you've been a solopreneur for years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I did it. Um, do you want to talk about, I guess, how I got into this industry? You are reading my mind. Yeah, without, without me kind of diving in and everything. Uh, for our listeners, if you could give us a quick introduction uh, about exactly what it is you do with your company, uh, what is your company all about, and then, you know, kind of your superpower. I might have given a little bit of a way to the audience, but uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So my company is called The Doer Co. Um, and I'm Jamie Dorshuk. So this is another thing that came from my mom. She always used to tell me, you know, like, yeah, you got to give it your 100%, like put the doer in Dorshuk, put the doer in Dorshuk. And I'm like, okay, well, I will. <laughs> <laughs> and what I do is I work with mission-driven organizations to help them scale up their impact. So what that looks like on a practical day-to-day -day basis is um, finding out more about the audience that we already have, how we can better serve them, um, coordinating launches to help distribute products um, to our clients. And I work with a variety of organizations. I, I would say the common thread among them is that they're usually six and seven plus figure uh, organizations, although I do... That would be, I would say, for like my hands-on work. Um, I do some some consultations with smaller businesses or startups or people who are thinking about uh, also side hustles. But my bread and butter is working with some of these larger organizations. Um, I work with both companies and nonprofits and governmental organizations. Uh, but yeah, some of I'll say some of the clients that I've worked with because maybe people will know them. Um, I've worked with Jake Paul, Jay Shetty, um, the Center for Disease Control. I worked with them on a project that was a joint venture with the Caribbean Public Health Agency to do a PSA project and uh, stuff like that. I specialize in e-commerce, so selling things online, although I have also participated in um, analog marketing and sales strategies as well. But my specialty is marketing online and really just figuring out what everything there is to know about who we are serving and learning how we can help them best, whether that's doing something like a launch, doing something like creating a new product, or even doing something like simplifying the, um, the customer journeys that they have to take for our existing products. There would be tons of people who want to dive into a lot of that. Uh, I'm already extremely intrigued. But, I mean, with, with big name clients like that, and that's something that I feel really differentiates, you know, when somebody kind of hits that level and they're really doing whatever they're doing um, successfully is, is, like you said, you kind of zone in on those six and seven figure clients. Um, so I know a lot of people would want to know how you kind of get to that point of those clients, but you got to start somewhere. Uh, so how did you get started? Yes. And, you know, just for everyone who listens to this and you really want to be at that level, I just want to say that I was where you are and before that. So how I got started in marketing altogether is that it's kind of a funny story. So 
I'm trying to condense my life story into like three sentences. Long story short, when I was in, you know, middle school, I was on this track to be a professional musician. Like I was practicing all the time. I was studying with several different teachers, like in three different states. I think there was a time where I had like four concurrent um, instructors and my principal instrument is bass clarinet, but I play eight instruments. Um, so when it came time to like graduate high school and you're looking into college stuff, I was going to be studying music. So, uh, this was probably in, I don't know, like 2015 or 14, something like that. So at that time, there were not very many institutions who give a bass clarinet, um, bachelor's of arts at a bachelor's level. Normally the track is that you would study the soprano clarinet, which is the regular one. And then you would do a master's of classical performance in bass clarinet. But I was like, no, that's not me. I'm a bass clarinetist. So that really narrowed down my choices of schools. Ultimately, I wound up applying to two schools in America and then three schools abroad. Um, And then I got my results back and I selected to go to a music conservatory in Bern, Switzerland. It's called the Hochschule der Künste Bern. Um, uh, say that again? <laughs> the Hochschule der Künste Bern. That basically just means it like Hoch is high, so it is high school, but it's not like not high school that is something else um, in German. But it's like the high studying of, um, of music, or in English, they call it the University of Applied Sciences Bern. I don't know why, but there you go. That sounds um, a bit more official, though. Yeah, right? That's got weight. (laughs) (laughs) And so the thing about studying abroad is that, and let me just clarify that I did not, this was not a study abroad program. This was like I was accepted into a foreign institution. So that means that uh, when I was selecting my classes, they were like, okay, great. Do you want to take them in German, French, or Italian? And I'm like, well, I don't know any of those languages, so I guess I'll pick German. Um, And then I had to learn that while I was there. Very hard, like as tough as it is to be 18 and, you know, you move away from home and you have to learn that like the refrigerator doesn't just magically fill up with groceries and laundry doesn't just do itself. I mean, I had to do, learn all of those lessons, but in German. (laughs) (laughs) So it's tough. An adult in German, that's, I think that that probably gives you a leg up on the rest of the world immediately. You know, like when you get back into the swing of things, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I really think so too. And I mean, I've always been, uh, you know, mature for my age or whatever, but I think that definitely that was like being under a, under a pressure cooker um, to just totally solidify that as part of my personality. Um, and so what happens when you're studying in another country is that you have to get a visa. So I had an education visa. And in Switzerland, they're very strict about it. So for the first six months, you're not allowed to work at all. And then um, for the six months after that, you're allowed graciously to work a maximum of 10 hours per week. So I'm like, great. Um, (laughs) Just because I can't work, though, doesn't mean that I don't need money. So this is how I kind of like this is where my wheels are turning. I'm like, what can I do 
And you know, you like, yeah, there's beer money and stuff. Like you can do MTurk and you can take surveys or whatever, but Switzerland is a very expensive country. Like it was cheaper for me to buy imported eggs from the Netherlands somehow than to buy eggs that were made in the country in Switzerland. I don't know how, but it, that's how it was. Liver was like, you know, nine francs a pound, which at the time that I was studying in Switzerland, like one franc was two US dollars. So everything was like double the price that you saw and wow. seeing it in francs did not make it very cheap. So, um, it's so crazy. It's a really common thing in Switzerland for people to go over the border, either into Germany or France to go shopping because it's so much cheaper to do that than to buy everything from the Swiss store. Um, but yeah, it was a total culture shock. But I'm like, you know, I need to make money and I need to do it in a way that's like kind of serious and consistent or whatever. So I use a website called Reddit, which I hope that people are familiar with, but if you're not, it's R-E-D-D-I-T.com, reddit.com. Um, and I was a big Redditor and I have, there's this one subreddit, which if you don't know what Reddit is, it's basically like forums, like a big forum website of everything you could possibly imagine. Like if you like basketball, if you like marketing, if you like dogs, like this, they're all on the same forum. And then a subreddit is like a sub forum. So you would go to r slash dogs for dogs. So there's one subreddit called r slash for hire. So I was familiar with that one. So I started looking at what people were asking for and stuff like that. And I was like, well, maybe I'll teach myself some kind of skill that I can use and then I can post it on for hire because it's like, you know, you, you could be a lot of things to work online. Like you could be a sales um, or a customer service associate for Apple. But the thing is that I was in another country. I could not work with Swiss people because then obviously the Swiss <laughs> government would know that I'm working and I'm not supposed to. So I have to also not put it in my Swiss bank account, which I do have, but it's not as fun anymore. Um, mandatory IRS reporters now. That one is kind of like so 90s and now the current hotness is like Caribbean islands for sheltering your stuff. This um, sounds like James Bond supervillain, you know, like here you are operating in the US or at this time, you know, you have a Swiss bank account. You still have a Swiss bank account. I do still have a Swiss bank account. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, I mean, it is totally, you know, but people are like, ooh, and I'm like, no, it's not cool anymore. I mean, I guess it's still cool. I, it has that brand, you know, recognition, but um, it's not relevant to that anymore. Yeah, um, offshore account now is the uh, the new one, right? Yes, yeah. And then so it's just like, well, I can't work with Swiss people because then they're going to find out that I'm working. The money cannot go into my Swiss bank account. So I'm like, okay, like got to use a PayPal. I have to pretty much resign myself to working with Americans or at least native English speakers who are not in Switzerland. Um, and the problem of me being in another country means that I cannot commit to any kind of shift work. Like I can't commit to being available from, you know, four to 7 PM or something like that, even to do a part-time online job. So at least to do like, if I go on Reddit on for hire, teach myself a skill, then it's, you know, flexible work. And I found that I was really driven by that, like pay for performance. And nobody's looking over my shoulder to see how many hours I'm logging. And honestly, they don't really care as long as I give it to them by the time I said, 
So the first skill that I taught myself was actually making whiteboard videos. Do you remember when those were like the hot thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I still actually see um, just different evolutionary takes on them, really. I mean, they're still the same thing, ultimately. But people have really dressed them up and, and made them fancy. And uh, in my opinion... You can get real artists to do them, not some college student in their, in their dorm room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I remember whiteboard videos. So... But um, yeah, and like, so that's actually what I started with. And for the most of my college career, I ultimately, like, I did this whole thing with music, but I wound up um, graduating with a degree in economics through a whole, like, separate life journey that we can have a second episode about. <laughs> um, but I, even as I moved back to the States after uh, studying in Switzerland, I um, knew when I came to the US that I wanted to change my major, but I didn't really know what. So I had thought, well, whatever, like maybe entrepreneurship. And then while I was doing the prerequisites for that, um, I wound up starting, like I was still doing my whiteboard video stuff on the side. I was going, I, and it was basically the equivalent of like having a part-time job and income, except instead of like working at the grocery store for eight hours to make $80, I would uh, make like two to four hundred dollars plus a week making whiteboard videos for people on Reddit. Um, it was really lucrative. Unfortunately, I don't think that it's as popular as it was when I was doing it. But I still, you know, if you wanted like a side hustle, I'll, I'll tell the software that I use because that's the thing. Like, I'm not a graphics designer. Like, I literally downloaded a software. It's called Sporkle, I think. S P O R K L E. Um, yeah, and I just had the software and I would download um, either if they gave me logos as PNGs or whatever, it can use that. And then I would just, they have a big library of images and then I would just fill it in with whatever, you know, if I needed something else and I would just Google and find like a free, you know, no, uh, no, what is it called? Like common use or whatever. The things yeah, that yeah, you don't uh, have to license. To anyone. Or, yeah. 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 So I just like look up stuff like that to kind of fill it in. Um, so then I did that for a while and then whatever, I had moved back to the U.S. and I was going to change my major. And so I was going to school full time doing this side hustle. And then I would also take on like another job. So like I worked at a cell phone repair store for a little while and I did some other stuff. Um, and then I started also a subscription box company while I was doing that. Um, and then I grew that to have 25 monthly subscribers and I basically started it because I was like, well, I want to have something that I can practice my marketing in between my client projects. So why don't I just make myself a product so that I can practice marketing that. And then this is where I started diving into copywriting and stuff like that because I have to make the website and then I'm doing little launches for my email list and stuff. And I'm like, going to markets and getting people like literally it was like um billy mays like on the new jersey boardwalk or something <laughs> because i would be like chasing people down on the street like they obviously don't want to talk to me but they don't have a choice about it and i'm definitely going to get that email from you i'm a closer <laughs> i love it <laughs> and i re oh, i grew my email list for that business to like 300 just by literally like one-on-one -on -one, like shaking people down at these markets and stuff <laughs> <laughs> i can um, imagine that just oh man that actually reminds me a lot of um i think jordan belford did he did something like that when he he got to start as a kid and he uh got some buddies together and they were selling like ice cream on the beach or something you know 
Yeah, I think I, I think I've heard that one too, actually, that same story. But yeah, and it was just through that that I wound up learning about copywriting because I was basically doing launches um, for my own product. And then it just got to this point where like, I was breaking even, I was pretty proud because I was breaking even from my um, cost of doing business after the first month. I funded the first um, round of buying inventory through my whiteboard business. But then after that, I was able to just keep fulfilling the inventory from the monthly subscriptions. But it was like this point where I couldn't afford to hire someone else to help me um, and if I wanted to grow it significantly bigger, I would need to start making relationships with some kind of like warehouse where I could like, ha- cause I was doing this all like on my dining room table and it's just not practical. And I mean, 25 boxes does not sound like a lot, but until you carry them from the second floor and th- no, there's no <laughs> elevator, it's stairs and you carry them every month. Like, and th- that's the thing is it just keeps happening. Like it's over. <laughs> And then you just got to go right back to doing it. Um, and I hate the post office. Like, I, I, I hate mail. Like, I literally, I'm the kind of person who I don't check my mail. And then eventually the post office just drops a big box in front of my door. And I'm not, <laughs> I'm not gone anywhere. Like, that's just how it is. So I don't know why I built myself a business that entirely revolved around the post office. But I did. Uh, <laughs> At least I had your back on that one. I mean, was it just that the P.O. box was getting full or... No, it was literally like I just couldn't be bothered to go downstairs and look at my, th- the key like doesn't work and I have to fight it. And I'm like, you know, nobody's mailing me anything. I literally, they would give me the box and I would put it right in the garbage. Like I didn't miss anything. Nobody's mailing me anything. It's, I don't need coupons to Dunkin' Donuts. Like I don't need it. And, um, but then it just got to a point where like I couldn't grow it. So I, I was getting like, I took it to a pitch competition and even though I didn't wind up winning quote unquote the prize, um, the, I, there was an investor there. They were, it was like a college pitch competition, but they were all real like investors looking to partner with young people with good ideas and everything. So I had, um, an investor approach me and we had a very serious conversation about him investing equity in my company. And then around the same time, um, my city's chamber of commerce, because so it was called Berg Box. I live in St. Petersburg, Florida. And so I was curating locally made products in the Tampa Bay area. So our St. Petersburg chamber of commerce had found out about what I was doing and they asked me to come to a meeting. So then I got into a meeting with the president of the chamber of commerce, the vice president, and then like the director of marketing for the chamber of commerce. And they're like, look, we want to buy your company and you can have full creative control over everything. And we want to just distribute your products in our store. And we also want to give you the resources, like anything that you need to make this bigger. Um, So I had to have a real moment where like I look inside myself because I mean this, I did this for like a year. This was a big part of my identity. I got on my local ABC Action News, like people were writing about me. I had a write up in the newspapers. So like people knew me as like Jamie, the girl with the subscription box and everybody loved it. Like when I tell them, you know, people who are from here and love it about it, 
they were like, yeah, you know, wow, that's so amazing. Like, I can't believe nobody ever thought to do that. And that's incredible. And like, so everyone loved it. It's a huge part of my identity. Everybody knows that who I am and that I'm doing it in a city of like 200,000 people. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm going to make real adult commitments to these people. Like if I take their money, this is no longer, if I don't feel like doing it, I don't. And I ultimately did decide that it's like, I did not start this company. First off, I didn't have an LLC. So I was like, oh my God, like if they're going to buy my company, there has to be one (laughs) for them to buy. (laughs) Um, But I mean, yeah, it was, and then I just really had to have a moment where I'm like, well, I did not start this to be the subscription box president of, you know, Tampa Bay. And I, I do love it. And I I started it because I loved my area and I wanted to learn more about business. But at the end of the day, this was a means to an end for me. And it was to develop my skills as a marketer. So I had to make the decision. Plus it was, it was, like I said, I was doing it for like over a year. I was working another job. I was going to school full time. All, all the semesters, three semesters a year, I did between nine and 15 credits every single time. So it's like, I don't have any breaks and it was getting to be a little bit too overwhelming. And I was still doing my whiteboard video side hustle. And I'm like, well, I think that I, as much as it's like, this is a really hard decision to make. It's like my whole identity, but I cannot move forward with this. And I think that I have to close this business so that I can focus on doing exactly what I have been doing, marketing stuff, except without the overhead of having to have a consumer product. So at that point, I closed my subscription box business and then went full in with um, doing it uh, doing like copy my copywriting. Cause then I had, you know, email samples and web copy samples and stuff like that. Yeah. And at that point I started offering copywriting services uh, also on Reddit. And so the point of this story is to tell everyone that like, I started there. I started at $200 a pop for a couple of emails here and there, or, Oh, you want an SEO optimized squeeze page, 150 bucks. Like, everything like that. And then um, in my last year of college, I started working at a marketing agency part-time. So I was a um, like a copywriter there. I did all of their content writing and stuff like that. So this is what I mean. Like it takes hundreds of thousands of words. I've written just those spammy blogs for um, Google. I wrote hundreds of thousands of words. I have my own medium blog that I did through Um, The end of college where I was a two times top uh, awarded top business writer on medium.com. My name was up there with James Altucher and Gary Vaynerchuk until I just stopped. I stopped doing my blog because to be honest with you guys, I did not get um, business through my blog. It was more just like to have something to show. But then I started making more money for my clients and then I could start showing that kind of stuff. And then I did stop writing my blog eventually. But, you know, I did that for uh, over a year working at a marketing agency for over a year. By the time I stopped doing my subscription box company, I was doing quote unquote marketing stuff like my whiteboard videos for um, probably two years or three at that point. So it really is just a process. But like I started there at a couple hundred dollars for doing some stuff. 
And yeah. it's just a process. It's really interesting because, um, and I feel like, you know, we all probably, if you get into the marketing realm, we all kind of have to pay our dues and kind of have our trial by fire. And, and it's like a rite of passage where you have to go through things, spinning your wheels, and then you realize, oh, wait, this is not the way that I'm actually going to earn a lot of money and, and really serve the types of people I want to serve. And so it sounds almost like people can really find their, like their speed when they actually start to pull back a little bit and, and don't really focus so much on putting themselves out there. It's just like, um, you know, there's a guy I, I love to follow, uh, Henry Kaminsky Jr. And uh, if you haven't come across him, definitely check him out. Uh, and so he's, he's a branding specialist and the guy is just amazing. But a lot of the, 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 these top tier clients that he works with who are just killing it at the game are people who you've almost never heard of. You know, it's like, yeah, they, they, everyone started out uh, blogs and, and YouTube posts and really trying to put themselves out there and build a list. But then the moment they actually scaled back on all of that and just said, you know, let me just go ahead and get really good at what I'm already doing or start actually focusing on serving my clients. It's like everything's cleared up and they were able to, to step on the gas for their businesses. Yes, absolutely. And then even uh, it's another thing of also just scaling back and focusing in on your best skills because it's like I, so many people, you know, you can get blogs, whiteboard, or you could get a case studies, white papers, SEO stuff, website copy, emails, sales pages, creative writing, da 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 da. <laughs> and I'm like, well, are you good at all of it? And the truth is probably not. Yeah. So I would just pick something that you're the best at. Like if you really, really, really like um, do, being a ghostwriter, then be the best ghostwriter that you can be. And if you hate writing emails or you hate writing blog posts, don't offer blog posts. If you really like writing case studies, let me tell you, like I, uh, just because I'm a copywriter, I'm looking to hire someone to write case studies for me because it's very time consuming. I'm very busy. And I just don't have the bandwidth to be able to do that. And then, you know, yeah, I have my marketing assistant, but I would love to hire someone who's already skilled because I know that I will be able to leverage these case studies or these white papers um, for more revenue for me. But it's just like, I don't have the time or the bandwidth to be able to do it. So it really is, um, it's a, even a principle of, economics. Um, Adam Smith wrote about this and his wealth of nations, but specialization brings wealth. And it's not specialization in like, you know, I don't just only write emails and nothing else for people. But I mean, I do, if a pre-revenue company comes to me and wants me to work with them, I'm probably not going to. Like my, well, I, you know, I will refer them to someone else who I know can better handle that situation. But, you know, my specialty is in helping people leverage and monetize their existing audiences and scale up from where they are. Um, and there are people who they can be very talented with, with pre-revenue companies, but they might not be as good at doing what I do. I mean, I've got insane results. Like I've been part of multiple six figure launches. I helped Jay Shetty, um, build, it was like a two 
$1.3 million business unit. One of the um, products that he has, I helped them scale it up to be like a $4 million business unit because ultimately through my our work together, I helped them double the number of um, the number of members that they had in their mastermind group. And it's just like, you know, I was a, I helped an e-commerce company. The first thing that I did for them made $145,000 in revenue in one month. And I helped them uh, scale up from ultimately being a six to a $12 million company just by implementing a couple of systems and doing a full conversion rate optimization on their website because it's like they had assets that they were just not leveraging properly. Like they had a really awful and extremely confusing website um, that like when you, and just very unprofessional looking, like it looked so sketchy. I don't really know how they got to the size that they (laughs) did, but it was literally like they sell um, beauty. It's a beauty uh, industry e-commerce business. And so they sell stuff with your hair, their major, their bread and butter is that they have appliances like a straightening brush and they also have like a hair dryer and stuff. And it's this lady who she was a, um, she was a professional hairdresser and then she had been demoed, um, you know, cause you know, the, the, when new gadgets come out, they, the distributors and manufacturers shop them around to salons and stuff like that. Yeah. So she got a sales presentation for a straightening brush and she was like, Oh, that's neat. Like, I think that my clients would like it. How much is it? And it was like $170. And she's like, well, they're never going to buy that. And so she went to China, found manufacturers and figured out how to make one for, I think that they sell it for like 60 or 70 bucks or something. So boom, uh, there you go. (laughs) Yeah. But, and you know, it was not copying other people's work. I mean, she really went and found manufacturers and told them what it, what the appliance was and what she wanted it to do and did all of the prototyping with them and came up with something that was affordable um, for people. But, and I think that it was, just but as far as the systems that actually support the business it was a hot mess like the they were spending three hundred thousand dollars a month on facebook advertising that's not a very healthy business i mean wow. you know yeah yeah like between not- <laughs> 150 to three hundred thousand dollars a month on facebook advertising is it's only a six million dollar company i mean between that inventory and payroll there's not a lot left there yeah so <laughs> Um, and the website itself, like I said, was just a total hot mess. Like the, the pictures of the shampoos and stuff were literally like the shampoo bottles put on a gray bathroom shag carpet, like shower mat, like the kinds that they sell at the dollar store. Yeah. And like, just really, really close. Like, you know, if you take the picture closer, nobody will realize that it's a shower mat. So I'm just like, (laughs) you know, absolutely not. We totally rebuilt the website from scratch. And she, you know, she didn't want to believe me and uh, my advocate at the company was the vice president of sales. So she was, we were like, you know, yeah, here's what we need to do. You're spending so much money on Facebook ads and basically just throwing it out the window because of how confusing and awful this website is that most people, like, can you imagine looking at a product and scrolling down you know, the, the descriptions and everything was like kind of gibberish, but so you read this like weird gibberish description 
with this picture of something on a bath mat. And then you get to the bottom and in big bright red text, it's like, you know, please allow up to two weeks shipping for this amazing product <laughs> because we're very busy and sometimes we get backed up and blah, blah, oh, blah. And I'm like, yeah. wow. Okay, this is something that goes on a uh, terms and conditions page and should never be financing <laughs> and certainly not in this tone or in bright red text when that was like right above the buy button, dude. And oh, she's wow. like, why aren't we selling things good with this much Facebook money? And I'm like, probably that. And mentally, oh, that immediately is like, well, wait a second. I mean, I thought I was getting this awesome product and now I'm getting a warning before I click buy. I'm not so right? sure. And, you know, nothing makes you feel more confident about the quality of their product than them telling you that it's an amazing product in bright red letters. And also don't expect it to be that fast. You know what? I, I, want, to, uh, I want to share a resource with a lot of people, especially in the, the e-commerce space, they're selling anything. Um, because, yeah, I've, I've seen websites like that where, you know, somebody, at least they tried, they laid it down on a nice table or something. Uh, there's a website called remove.bg. All right, so you guys can put in any picture you want to, or you can put in a URL to an image, and it'll just automatically remove the background for you, and it's free. Um, oh, yeah, that, that one that does it, like, with AI. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I got to give it to them. Like, that thing is actually pretty decent. I yeah, it works in, really well. It does. I tossed in this image where it's, like, me on a white background wearing a white shirt, and I was like, oh, yeah, this thing's going to, like, turn me into an alien, and it, it nailed it, and I was like, okay. This is legit. But <laughs> honestly, I've been using that with one of my client pictures because we did a photo shoot and the photographer, we did it, you know, like we got a cutter out, you know, like, you know, in the Facebook ads when Russell Brunson's like in the middle of a sentence and kind of like fanning his arms out over a crowd and stuff like that. Like <laughs> yeah. we needed some assets for composite images like that. So I'm like, okay, well, we're going to take them on uh, white wall background so that they can be cut out later and stuff so like the photographer was like well i'll i can like in because we were also getting them retouched and everything and she's like well i can get it on an all white background but i don't want to like cut it out and do the transparency and i'm like okay <laughs> yeah. that's fine so i've been using that for this and it's just i mean this is like you know super easy like it could do it in its sleep i mean it's like a skynet of graphics design so it doesn't sleep but if it did it could do it in its sleep but i've even used it with crazier <laughs> pictures of like you know, my dog like the couch is in the background and like a, there's a little tv stand and like it's not like just a nice thingy on a white background and that doesn't it, it does it great too so i highly recommend you guys check it out it's remove.bg we've both used it before and it's it's going to impress you it really will. I it. I've actually been toying with it a lot. Um, not particularly for anything business related, but I'm the type of guy who has a lot of memes and things like that just ready to go loaded up in my phone. So I've been creating some with, you know, some of my personal contacts. But dude, Jamie, you have shared a ton of value on here and um, going to break protocol here. I definitely want to have a second episode where we can start to dive into how you were able to kind of get some of these, these, these connections of yours. Cause it sounds like they've been integral in your, in your business taking off and doing amazing. And I mean, would you be welcome or would you be willing to come back and do another show? Yes, absolutely. I would love to do that. Thank you so much. I look forward to doing that. And yeah, if I, before we get to 
The second episode, I will give a teaser piece of advice, precursor to that one. My biggest piece of advice is raise your prices every time. Raise your prices every time. Are you, are you able to give a very quick elaboration on that or should we save that for everybody? Every time you do the same thing for a new person, charge the next person more. And we can dive so much deeper into that and getting over just the, our own mental blocks that hold us from, like keep us back from doing that. But if like that has been what has allowed me to get to this point. And so quickly, because in 2017, I did, it was, I formed the LLC, or I'm sorry, in 2018, um, I formed the LLC on January 2nd, 2018. I graduated in December of 2017 from college. So I'm like, well, I'm going to turn this part-time thing into a full-time thing. And I did. I made $30,000 in the first year. That was a lot of dollars. and this year, I'm on track to have a six-figure year. Year-to-date generated $83,000 in revenue. So you can do it too. Like I started three years ago. I was selling things on Reddit for $200. So we can talk much, much more in detail about that um, next time. I want to applaud you like crazy, but my microphone will get pissed off. and probably the (laughs) listeners too (laughs) yeah probably so you know if anybody wants to work with you uh glean some information or you know just get your services and what's the best way to reach you where can they find you the best way to reach me would be by email so my name is j-a-m-i-e like jamie lee curtis j-a-m-i-e at the t-h-e and then a hyphen D-O-E-R-C-O dot com. So it's the hyphen doerco.com. J-A-M-I-E at T-H-E hyphen D-O-E-R-C-O dot com. And then that is also my website, the hyphen doerco.com. And you can just type in the doerco into Google. It's D-O-E-R-C-O. Um, you can just Google that and it will pull you up my LinkedIn. It will pull you up my um, website, of course, it will pull you up my medium blog. So, um, all of that good stuff. And the best way to reach out to me is by email. And that right there is, is the doer in Dorshuk. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, but thank you again, Jamie. We are definitely going to have to dive into some much more of your experience and uh, a lot of your expertise. Cause I think that there are tons of people out there, especially if they're, well, really, I could see it anybody who's just starting out or if they're veterans in the space, they can really use your services and insights. Well, thank you so much for saying that. That means a lot to me, Arish. Yeah. Yeah. Not a problem. But uh, with that, this has been a pretty value packed episode. So we're going to go ahead and uh, let everybody go here. You guys definitely reach out to to Jamie because I think you're going to sell yourself short if you don't at least connect with her. And she just gave you every, every resource you'll need to at least get the door open and get the conversation going. So thank you again, Jamie, for joining us. And um, with that, everybody, that's another episode of the Ad Hero podcast in the books. So until next time, um, this is your uh, your leader of the league, Ayers Rivers, signing off. You've been listening to another episode of the Ad Hero podcast. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend, family member, or a weird coworker down the hallway. 
If you want to get in touch with us, we're easy to find on social media at handle AdSemble. That's A-D-S-E-M-B-L-E. You can also send us an email at adheropodcast at gmail.com.